Hello and welcome to Wolves Fancast. Uh, Richard Hobbs here. Um, before we start talking about Brighton game, talking about which priority level uh, we're all in and even Spurs, a bit of breaking news um, coming out of a Fancast is we're now part of the 90 Min uh, Football Podcast Network. Um, it's great to be part of it. They are a huge uh, fo- um, football website um, and they've recently sort of expanded into um, the realm of podcasts. Um, in terms of what changes, um, not a huge amount, to be honest, um, in the short run. Um, basically, we're still owning it. We've still got complete control over content, which some will argue is probably not the not the best idea in the world. Um, but essentially, it's going to help us broaden our audience, particularly overseas in America. And it's also going to connect us with other like-minded fan um fan driven podcasts as well so hopefully we'll, um going into next season at this point we'll be able to do more features with um opposition fans and things like that and sort of yeah we kind of push the fan cast from strength to strength but you know we're, we're really excited about this new partnership and yeah re- really keen to sort of get going on it so yeah stay tuned for sort of hopefully some fun little bits from that over the next coming weeks and months um, joining me today, we have Stu and Dan to talk about Brighton. Um, we'll dive right into the start because I think we got thrown a little bit of a curveball um, with the lineup, and in a way, I think it was there was a bit of a fear of being careful what you wish for. Because I'm not going to go to Stu first because I know his opinion. Um, but Dan, how did you feel with the lineup? Because there were quite a few changes. There was quite a few. Um, I guess of the less experienced players and the less senior players. So you had um, Hoover come in, Gibbs White came in, Virginia held his place um, as well, and we had Silver up front. What did you sort of feel with the lineup? I went into the, the game quite nervous, to be honest. I think I've um, bought into gullish hype on Graham Potter that we were playing like a pig Barcelona today and going with a back four against this. Harlem Globe trotter from the South Coast team. <laughs> I thought we were going to get absolutely panned today. I know, I know like they had um, chances, but that it, I was sort of nervous going in because I didn't think defensively we were strong enough to sort of um, keep them out for over 90 minutes. The amount of chances that they create and the fails and XG, they create every game and all these superstars that Brighton have got the Neil Malpoys and the flipping Pablo Gross or whatever his name is. I was genuinely nervous. It was nice to see Matinho and Neves in midfield, but in hindsight, I ain't confident in them pair anymore. So, as I said, going into the game, I was nervous. Go on, Stu. Because, I mean, we, we'd been talking about really mixing up and he and he did to, he did a bit last weekend as well um, against the Albion. And we've been crying out for something a bit different in Vitinha. Um But I, I guess sort of there were a couple of, let's say, curveballs, especially on the right wing. Um, were you sort of happy? I mean, don't get me wrong, there's parts of it that didn't pay off, but um, go on. I was shocked, to be honest. I didn't think he'd do it two games in a row. And I had a little Twitter exchange with a friend of the show, Ryan Lester, as well, and I fully expected it to be back to normal. Um, 3-4-3, back to regimented players in normal places. And then it came out and... My only issue with it was Gibbs White playing there because that's not his position. And I know it's a kind of Achilles heel at the minute. If you don't play Troy then what do you do? Because Corbiano's never going to play, to be honest. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, King Kilman back again, faultless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was really, really encouraged the fact that Vitini got another chance in the same place as well. I yeah. was just, uh, and the fact that Silva started yet again. So yeah, I was, I, I was more up for this game as soon as I saw the lineup that I had been all week. No, I think um, we'll kind of go into the game as a whole in a minute, but it, it was nice to kind of see uh, Vitinho in particular get two starts in a row, which I, I, I'm thinking about. I don't know he's done that in the league yet. He's had, he's actually had two starts back-to-back. Um, probably which, in his whole career? Probably not, no. And, um, you know, we're, 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 Gibbs White's a talking point in itself, and... Um, I've, I've got a little question to pose to you both uh, towards the end of this segment anyway. But I felt for Wolves, first 10 minutes, we looked quite bright. And particularly eight Nori, we seemed to be confident within ourselves and sort of moving the ball. And then it kind of slowed down after that initial 10 minutes and Brighton started winning set pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit, and we've seen it so many times where in the games that we do start well, if we if we ain't scored within the first 10 minutes, it, it kind of all goes to pot. And it's like, oh, you've had your fun now to better being defensive first half Wolves again. And that's kind of what it is. And it, it, it kind of just, other than Vitini's shot, which was tipped around the post, we didn't really do anything. We thought it was nice to watch. It was nice on the eye. But other than that, it was... We didn't really probe them, we didn't open them up. And then as soon as they started putting a bit of pressure on and winning set pieces, then it was, I mean, we'll get to the marking in a minute, but it just kind of went flat. Well, from, from a, a kind of, let's say a massive height, from a potential, oh, this is different this time, to, oh no, back to normal then. In the space of like five minutes, it just completely disappeared. Yeah, it was like after that um, Vitinha chance where it was really well worked. He shipped you know, a great um, little um, shimmy to open up the space. A really good save by the keeper. And I thought, this is a brave new dawn here. This is, you know, what you want from your number 10, isn't it? Having a shot outside the box. And then all of a sudden we seem to sort of lack, um, lack control. And it started to a degree from the set pieces. And I think it completely mentally got to them and it impacted positions on the pitch that had no issue with it. So um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the Brighton goal first because that sort of started it and then they had a couple more chances after that and Wolves couldn't quite figure out how to handle it for a large portion of the game. So uh, Lewis Dunk opened the scoring. Um, sorry, we're, as we're recording this, um, the Albion are currently getting relegated and couldn't concede a third. So we, it's sort of all flashed up in front of us. Um, but yeah, Lewis Dunk um, dunked on Wolves. Um, was it a case? And I think we're in the group chat, we're sort of trying to decide, I'll go for decide this rather than argue about it, whether it was a case of a Wolves player being at fault, whether it was a system being at fault, or whether it was just quite clever by Brighton knowing that they have some very big centre-halves who are good headers of the ball um, bear in mind and a decent set-piece taker as well because all the deliveries were really strong um, I, I'm 
right in thinking we've almost got sort of two different uh, opinions on this one. So I, I went to uh, Dan first on the lineup. So I'll go to Stu first and then let Dan have his uh, counterpoint. I think it's really, it's a bit of everything. I mean, they are dangerous from some pieces, but now they are. And Dunk's a very good head of the ball. So from that point of view, they've done their jobs perfectly. So if you're kind of facing that, then does it really make sense to put Neves marking him? And again, Gully went, went into this and he'll go into it in GTA in the week as well, that zonal marking has been a, a nonsense for a while for us. And considering from set pieces and crosses has been a Achilles heel all season. It just, I mean, it wasn't so much that one. It was what ha- happened afterwards where they didn't learn from it and didn't change mm. anything up. And that was what pissed me off more than anything else. I mean, yeah, if you get done once, fine. Everyone gets done once. And it was a great header. But to not learn from it and to not say, okay, kill when you're six foot three, four, whatever you are, you go and stand next to the tall bloke. Just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, Dan, how about you? Because, I mean, I've looked back on it and on hindsight about Kilman to a degree. And I think Stu's definitely right that you can almost cope with it happening once and you can attribute it to Brighton being, you know, a bit savvy. The fact that they had like two or three other decent set pieces where we looked really fragile and really ropey. But for for the goal initially, because that's sort of the one that counted, how did you sort of find it? Good delivery. I, I don't. I don't think I've ever come across any football fan in the world that's a fan of zonal marking. No, no one is. No, no pundits are either. It must. It must work on the training ground when they're defending against cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Professional game. I don't know anyone in the football world that's a fan of zonal marking. I know there's certain coaches across Europe and the world that, um, you know, stand by it, but. It's all about taking responsibility and having the intent that if that ball comes in your direction, you're winning that header. I don't. I, I thought we were going to struggle regardless. I think that it was a good delivery when you've got the likes of Dunk, Dan Byrne, um, Webster, are all. I think they're all sort of taller than our than yeah, our, than our defense. Yeah, you look. You're looking at sort of Connor Cody, um, Ait Nori, and Hover. These aren't sort of tearing defenders that I'm gonna, you know, brute the way into clearing the header and. As much as I'm not a fan of Kilman, it's just too much for him to take that responsibility on. And him being the centre of that zone of marking, he was just sort of um, ostracised from any responsibility, really. And you know, Patricia, with an outswinger, he's not coming to collect. I just think we were sort of on a hiding to nothing. And like I said, the fact that it could have happened moments later, again, it's, it's frustrating. But I think you've got to take into account that we just aren't... Uh, that eleven today isn't physical or even tall. No, I think I think it was after sort of set. I think Patricio made a really good save, like proper fingertip save, and then sort of about two seconds later, they had another one. In, it was straight out, unfortunately. And I, I get your point with Kilman because he's our tallest player. But for the first goal, he was almost defending, not not quite the near post, but he was defending that front zone. Whereas if the ball goes over him. He's lost, mm. and you're relying on everyone else. And you know, you'd have thought for like the next um, corner, you'd have had him, you know, at the back so he could run forward and attack it. And you know, it's, zonal marking's a, a tricky one for me because it, for me, it when it works, it works. But 
if there is a breakdown in communication, it crumbles massively. And if we have said, how many times have we said this season, in particular, that this Wolves team just don't communicate with one another at the moment? Yeah, and it's there's no there's no fault of any of the players on the, conceding that goal. It's the system. The system's terrible. And it's like I can see why you do you you think of it because of the height issue. But then surely you got to give yourself the best chance possible, and not not letting them change it up. It's just. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know why why it still happens. I mean, what what games is there? Thirty five of the season, and mm. this has happened all year, and it, it's never been a problem before this season. That's it. We, we we've cut, we've played a mixture of zonal and man marking at the same time in parts, but this season just seems to have gone completely to pot. You, you can't be allowing the likes of Dan Byrne and Lewis Dunn to have a run on your zonal no. marking. It's just ridiculous. That's it. You need, uh, you know, you, you can't go hundred percent zone and just hope for the best. Um, and there's the R. Oh, good. Ah. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> That's nice. That's nice. I feel a bit happier. Lapping up, Wolves fans. They're gone, and there's a good chance they ain't coming back from this this time. Well, we don't know. They're gone for a year, at least. Let's just let's just agree on that one. If they can, they can ruin our lives again for a, another time. But for now, well, drink it in. I was going to say they had four points off us this season, and you know what? You can have them this year. I'll take it. If, if anyway, um, so yeah, we, we it seemed to properly rattle us, didn't it? The um, uh, the set pieces, and we just couldn't find the mojo. And I thought. Nevis and Matinho, that that's like the second quarter of the game. But we just looked completely on the ropes. Um and we just couldn't get anything going for a good part of the game. Um out of curiosity, were you guys very relieved to see half time? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I say we started well and they just got mentally flummoxed. Yeah. There was there was no coming back for me. And I think having I know Dan's going to say about the inexperience, but I think for this for that point, there was no one to lift them, and that should have been Cody and Neves' job to lift them players, but they were just shell shocked. Yeah, yeah, um, com- completely agree. And I think se- second half we started really well, we started a lot better. Um, they had their standard um, rocket biases um, at half time, which again. I think I've said this before, slightly frustrates me because why do you need that going into the second half? Why can't you have that going into the first half? Um, we'll never quite know that, how the game would have panned out if Brighton had 11 players. But in a way, I was really frustrated with a red card and um, that instance because I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, I, I thought it was a great bit of play, but I think it was Vitinho putting through yeah, yeah. and great, you know, excellent run by um, Silver. But I'd have I'd have backed Silver to score that. And I think, I've wrote in my notes that it was a silly sending off. Really, really stupid by Lewis Dunk. He's dunked himself um, on that one. Um, I mean, we won't even discuss whether it was a, uh, do we think it's a red card? Because it is the most blatant red card you'll see all season. I don't know um, what he was, I don't know 
Well, I do know what he was thinking because he, he, he was just a moment of madness. But then, like, he just stood there, like, looking around, like, not knowing what to do. So when you've when you've really bursting for a piss in the, in the uh, train station and you, you're trying to find a twenty p, it was like that. He was just, like just like bamboozled by himself. Yeah, I mean, just it, I, shit happens. Yeah, I let's say for for me, I was really cutted for silver because that was the first time it all it felt like in a long period in that game where we'd opened them up. Yeah, and how many chances do we see our striker go one on one this season? From that deep in the pitch, you, it shows you so much sort of possession player that ends up in a, a wing position for us to actually have a player through on goal from about 50 yards out. I don't know how far it was. He'd probably around there. But it was, it was just an avoidable mistake, wasn't it, by Dunk? He's still got a long way to go to actually reach the area and he's got one-on-one. I mean, I, I, I'd back him to score it. Just because yeah. of the confidence the lad has, and I think he's just a natural born finisher. Um, I, I can't remember what social media channel it was about 10 minutes before that. They were saying Lewis Dunk's got to be in contention for the Euros this season. I, think <laughs> I don't know whether it was Boyles or um, someone else, but yeah, it, it was good jinxing that was. Yeah, I was gonna say, out of curiosity, um, you know, just because I do occasionally like to go off on a tangent, if you're the defender in that situation. I mean, do you pull the man down or do you let him go through? You look a bit bad, um, but you back your goalkeeper. Do you, do you or do you do the, I guess, the professional foul like Dunk did? Um, or is it a bit game circumstance? Because I think if that's in the 80th minute and that happens, nine times out of 10, I'd do it. Yeah. But at that point in the game, mm, I think it's just what didn't, didn't work for me. I think it's just a reflex. I think I don't think he had a choice. I think it's just, it's an automatic thing that, He's he realizes he's screwed, and he's. I mean, it's like why do people pull it? Why do players pull shirts and pull each other back? I mean, it's, it's like a. It's almost it's almost like a reflex, because if he was thinking straight, he would have clearly just let him run through, but yeah. and be done done for pace. But no, nah, I just think he, I don't think he had any control over it really. No, um, I mean after sending off, um, Wolves released the beast. Um, from the bench, Troy came on. He, uh, I'm right in thinking he substituted ne- um, Neves, who again we talked about had a poor game, which was a really interesting one for me because it moved Retinia further backwards and it moved Gibbs White inside. Who I thought Gibbs White actually, even up until that point, had a decent game. He was playing out of position on the right, but he was showing, you know, he, he, he wasn't doing badly, he wasn't shying away from it. I mean, it clearly isn't a right winger in the same sense that Troy Ray is anyway. Um, but he kept plugging away and he um, just had a bit more about him in the middle and keeping Vitinha, um in the centre as well, I think really helped Wolves and just allowed us to turn the screw, which, uh, again, yeah, we, we were against 10 men, but we did keep opening up little pockets um, in that last half an hour. And I think it helped having almost Matinho and two relatively creative players in that midfield. But um, Traore, when he came on, he looked angry. He looked mad about it, didn't he? He, he wasn't happy about being a sub, was he, Dan? No, I think he's... Um, I don't know whether the pressure's on or Nuno's trying to make a, a point with him that he's not as irreplaceable as you think he might be at the moment. Um, just going back to sort of my earlier point, being like how I mentioned, we weren't a really physical team today. 
61% possession was had today. When you've got five midfielders like we had today, mm. all like to keep the ball, tidy passing and actually um, attack with intent. That's why I thought we looked quite decent across the majority of that game today. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think, as I said, I think first 15 we looked we looked all right. And then we, I, I think we struggled that bit for the first half. And I think second half, I can't remember Patricio being tested at all. No. It, whether I had 11 or 10 men. I think, I think once that conceded their their sort of league position and their relegation form that they've been in, their confidence was just completely shot, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think Traore just gave... For me, he gave us that extra little bit. Um, I think, I think he, the shooting towards the safe bank was massive though today. Like. <laughs> the, the seats are getting warmed up. Eh? They're all like the, the suction starting. The, the ghosts of the South Bank were there today. <laughs> they've, they've got a sniff of the ground and they were there today in spirit. You could hear them on the BBC audio. They, they never stopped all game, the South Bank today. Go on, Stu. Go on, Stu. So, about I think more... It's, it's mental even, talk, even saying it, but how blatantly fucking obvious it is that Gibbs White playing in his actual position changed the game. And how many times have we been... If we played against ten men and it's been bodies behind the ball, it's harder to harder to break them down, and we ripped them apart for fun. Yeah. And that was playing playing adventurous players like Gibbs White in his actual position, Vatinia in central midfield where he can is well, he got dunk sent off for that through ball anyway, <laughs> and having Matinho on license to actually play like he does for Portugal. And I thought that that second half performance was absolutely superb, even before the sending off. And it's so frustrating that it has to be in the second half and we can't do this for a whole game. That's why you get to boiling point all the time. But you know, I think Traore being there freed him up. I think that's what changed you. Yeah. I mean, and, and Traore's goal, I mean, again, it was it was in, weird because it was like almost a, a bit like an individual goal, but it was a really good team goal as well. And the build-up for it, Traore... I think Troy six weeks ago might have just sort of swung it in himself rather than sort of just playing it back inside to Silva. Great layoff. Again, Silva, we mentioned earlier, he, he played with a lot of maturity. You know, he, he almost played like he was 29 rather than 19 mm. today. And then just exactly what he needed from the finish. And I said before with um, Troy, he just needs to be a bit more instinctive sometimes with his finishing and just get the shot off when he gets in position for it. And, it showed again today, which was great. And uh, the next one I was going to talk about was Gibbs White. And we, we, we've we mentioned him a couple of times now. And he didn't really get necessarily a chance on goal up until this point, but really well worked from Traore, closing down the keeper. I, I think I said, I don't think I've actually said it on this podcast, but my frustration with Traore is he's the fastest player in the league, but you never see him behind the defenders. He likes to pick the ball instead of like being on the last man and put, you know, getting into that position. Despite that's where he gets all his goals, he likes to be twenty yards back and take a, a take a run at them, which I find bonkers. But closing down the goalkeeper, I can't remember last time we've seen. Probably was, would have been like Jota last season, like you know, try and hassle the goalkeeper, and it nearly paid off. And then it comes to Gibbs White, who I. I think probably across the fan cast, I'm probably not too vocal about it because of everyone else. I'm 
a really big fan of Gibbs White, and I have been since day one. And probably one of a few who still back him to a certain degree. Um, probably I think a few have changed that now. But oh, when the ball came to him, he just clipped it over the bar. I I genuinely have like excuses and reasons for how he <laughs> missed it because it was sort of set up, like the the cutback it was fine, but it was set up for a left foot. He kind of just muddles his feet. Did you, when that happened, because it's what, the 86th, I want to say, something like that, um, did you think that would be like his last moment in a Wolves top at that point? No, because I, I, he genuinely played well. <laughs> so for it, And I'm going to look you in it. I've slagged him off before, but it's never really been about him because it's not his fault. Because, hmm. I mean, Nuno's played him all on the wing. He's played him up front. And it's just nonsense just playing him in his actual position. I know the formation's been an issue with that. But if you've got the players, adapt the formation to the players. And we've, we've all said it. And it, you you know firsthand with your relatives in Swansea, but how good he was for them. And playing in that position. And he was like a player reborn. Look, he's never played that well for Wolves, for me, as he did today. No, not not definitely not in a long time. Calm down. This is why I can't understand how you're a big fan of him, Rich, because he's never really had enough time in a Wolf shirt to justify putting in a good performance, unless you've been over flipping the book said watching him from the academies. Well, I'll ha- I'll let you know, but uh, no, I just think from the points where I've, I've seen him play, he you can tell him when he's on the ball, he's got something about him. Yeah. But at Premier League level, he hasn't had enough minutes to. Show us really, and I think over the last sort of couple of games where he's been in a position where he was comfortable with, he's looked decent to be yeah. a squad player yeah. at this level. I mean, there's a question I'm going to post to you after we talk about his goal, to be fair, and I think that's it. And I'm not saying he's a world beater, and I'm not saying he should be, you know, the, the num- starting number 10 for Wolves, but I think you've got he's obviously got clear ability. And he has done since he was in youth levels. And he has really suffered from being a bit of a jack of all trades. And it's a bit of a trait of youth team football, in my opinion, that England has changed their mentality and uh, focusing on very technically astute players, but often don't have a position. And unless you are light years ahead of everyone, you, you'll struggle to actually find a place in a team. So for a lot of time, he didn't really have a position. He could just play anywhere. And again, he couldn't focus on his game. And then he had a couple of injuries. He couldn't get in the lineup. Where we, you know, where we had off the field stuff going on that impacted performance. That's not for, well, me to say <laughs> anyway, because I can't be bothered with the Edison job. Um, but he, he, he seemed to really enjoy being somewhere in Swansea, which again, look, I think we could all probably agree he, he's very good championship. And, you know, that gave him a bit of confidence. He's had an up and down season with injury as well. Um, but I think it's shown the last sort of three or four, you know, two or three games he's played for Wolves where he's had minutes. He's, he's got something about him. And even taking his goal today, and it was something we've probably not quite seen from him before. And, the difference between him having a second to pause and get his head up to, you know, clip it in the corner after skying a really easy chance. Oh, it's just fantastic for me. 
I mean, how do you feel about the goal in general? It was you, a first... you can't knock the lads. Sorry, straight. You can't knock the lad for persevering after all the sort of social media backlash he's had at Wolves. The fact yeah. that he's missed, missed an open goal today, his head could have easily have just dropped and in, in the the ground at, eating him up. But to go again, and obviously that was the only area that he could have put that ball um, when he scored the goal. And yeah, fair play to the lads. I hope he kicks on from there because. We want to put the England uh, band back together and fold and in um, World Cup 2022. No, I <laughs> cannot wait, cannot wait. I mean, that brings me on to my question about him, you know, his future at Wolves. And for me, it is a bit of a question of whether we have hit Gibbs White or Vitinha next season because I think Vitinha has got a lot of potential. He's been a joy to watch the last couple of games. I think we're all big fans of him here and what he can do. And his best position seems to be that number 10 role, as we've just said with Gibbs White. Now, do you think A, we'll, be able, we'll keep both of them next season? Or if you can only get rid of one of them, or not keep one of them, shall we say, because Vitinha is still technically on loan, do you not sign Vitinha and keep Gibbs White? Or do you move Gibbs White on, get the, get the money and back Vitinha? I'll go to Stu first. If we're going to play this formation, just keep both of them. He's, he's all, if he's come out saying that he wants a bigger squad now and away from this silliness of only having 12 players, then we're going to need... Ideally, you want two players for every, every position here. Ideally. Yeah. So, and Virginia can play deeper, as has been shown international, well, obviously age-appropriate international level. So, you know, and we're all kind of thinking along the same lines that, yeah, Matinho is not going to last forever and he probably shouldn't last next season either. But so playing him further back with Gibbs White for, in front of him, you could be looking at Harlem Globe just like football. And why, why can't you have two creative players in the middle? Why? No, I think, I think my, my sort of point was I like them both, but they are still on their upward trajectory as players and we could potentially sign a creative player who's a little bit more progressed in their career than them um, because I don't think either one of them is the, quite the finished article. Um, if we were looking to sign like another, I guess, a more accomplished attacking player sort of um, was my point of view. I think if, if we keep them both and they, you know, if they have really strong pre-seasons, great. Um, I just can't quite see us necessarily building a team around one of them at the moment. Um, I think that this is what needs to happen. There's no, If we're not going to have that much money to spend, like they're saying, like Spears and everyone's saying, oh, we have to sell to buy and all this stuff, then we've got two players there who we can build the team around and Silva as well, who's, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all incredibly young. Why, why can't we? I mean, if we, I'd much rather do that than buy someone like Douglas Costa for 30 million quid and try and slide him in somewhere because he's a a Mendes client and he kind of fits the bill. I'd rather go the the Mick McCarthy young and hungry route, but these players have got talent and they're only going to get better if you play them. So I'd go down that route personally. Dan, how about you? If you could sort of pick between Vitinha and Gibbs White or are you, I guess, much more mysterious camp? Let's keep them both. Let's, Let's see if we can keep um, their developments within Wolves for a season more. 
if Nuno's got the ability to handle a bigger squad, then I'm all for keeping both of them. If I had to get rid hyphenated fingers, not, we'll go for not. We'll go not keep. That that would be that's nicer language in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as shown at the start of the season, it, it still wouldn't hurt Gibbs White to get another loan out to a Championship side in the hope that he has a Mason Mount type derby loan and comes back and kicks on from there. Yeah. No, I think I think that's um, I think that's more than fair. Um, we've talked about a few players who did well today in terms of Gibbs White, in terms of Virginia. Anyone else stand out for yourselves today, uh, Dan? I think the the region Bicente Lizarazu for me today again. <laughs> he's a future Ballon d'Or winner. That left back for us. If if he doesn't play Champions League level in his career, someone's seriously gone wrong because he's a serious talent. The it. it, it I don't want to compare him to Vinagra, Vinagre, if you will. But I hope, I hope it doesn't get drummed into him to start turning back like he did with Vinagra. I want him constantly going at full backs. He's got the ability to take players on. He's not afraid to get the ball in the box from distance instead of having to get to the byline. I like the look of him and I think he's a, a serious talent that if we can get him for good money this summer, he's the the... Um, blueprint false and signing in, in this era a young player who can be a special talent and you, you double your money on him easily if you, you, when you easily. do come to sell him definitely I think he's especially with Johnny's injury I think he's a shoe where we just need to get it sorted he's starting to prove himself again it, it, it's a level of playing games isn't it for a lot of these young players we've said it before we've said we'll say it again these players have obvious potential um, and they need minutes. Look at Silver, eight Nori. He started really well, dipped off. They're young. We're going to have this. And sometimes we can be a bit prisoners of the moment um, about what we think of them after a game. Um, but eight Nori the last couple of weeks, he, he's quietly just been going about his business really, really strongly for me. Um, Stu, Stu, how about yourself? When you look at him, in the eight, nine months he's been here, I mean, we all, I think they probably had record viewing figures on BT for that, that, um, on uh, game against uh, PSG before we signed him. When there were the rumors that he was going to come <laughs> in and they got, they got battered six, but he was their best player. And you look at him then compared to now, and he's light years ahead in nine months. Mm. He's matured that much. And I think it's been a blessing in disguise for him what's happened to Johnny because. He would probably well. He wouldn't have played, and we probably wouldn't have signed him either, knowing that we we can bring Vinagra back. And if Johnny being fully fit, I know he wouldn't have played these last few games. And he's he's now nailed on to be signed because, like Dan said, he's the kid's got something. And unlike Vinagra and anyone else, he hasn't yet. He hasn't changed. He's just got better. He hasn't matured into this, oh, no, I won't cross the halfway line thing. He's just got better and better. So, yeah, he's a nailed-on sign for me. I just, I just need to emphasise just how much he's matured in these nine months. Yeah. And recently, as well, going into a back four, it looks it looks the part, even in the back four now, where I think we all thought he was just a wing back at the start. But I think he, he does definitely get better game by game at the moment. He's arguably played better with left back than he has... Left wing back, 
And that's, I think that's to do with the space that gets in front of him. I think he linked it really well with Podence as well. Um, when he sort of came inside, there was a couple of moments where when Wolves were sort of finding themselves, all our best patterns of playing the first sort of half and even going into the second were sort of down that left-hand side of him, you know, gambling and exploiting space and following your pass and doing the basics. Um, I was going to say, uh, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, I, I guess for me, you look at the players who did well and it's, sort of more junior players in that squad and the players who seem to let us down today were the more senior players. Is that a, is that a fair assessment, Stu? Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, we were, Dan's not going to mention it anyway, but obviously King Kilman did nothing wrong at all. And he, he took, a, took a bucket for the team when he needed to. And he was just... It was all like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he came forward I mean, having a shot and what's he doing? But... Again, he never he never lets you down, does he? He just slots in back four. Everyone thinking, oh no, he's a championship player at best, and but he's just slotted in. No, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> and he didn't get rattled once. I mean, Cody got done, but redeemed himself as well. Welbeck, which is fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the two in midfield, central midfield, and dear God, I mean, Neves looks completely shot, and Matinho looks like he should be then with the horses, but. Uh, and then, do we even want to talk about Willie and Jose? Uh, uh, for that, I mean, to be fair, Matino seemed to pick it up when we were down to 10 men. He had that bit more creative flow. And I think we can all agree that's where, where Matino... Yeah, that's where Matino's at, at his peak, is when he's got that bit more creativity going forward. And when he sort of did that beautiful clip over the top to William Jose, and he trapped it, like yeah, it was a bag of cement. Oh, oh, just Bill, come on! And we, we talk about loan loan players we have, and you know, in eight nor we continue, and hopefully we can keep them. I think we've all. I, I'm usually someone who's on the fence on these things, but oh, I don't want us to sign him in the summer. And I, he, he's come in. He's he's done a job for us to a degree by literally being a body up front and being a little bit of cannon fodder uh, for Fabio Silva for for a few months while he was still acclimatising. Um, and who knows, in sort of five, ten years' time, um, when Silva's getting 60 goals a season, we'll look back at, you know, Jose being the making of Silva because he, uh, uh, because he kind of kept him out of the spotlight for a little bit longer. It's just wanky. It's just, it's just I like how I go through all of his and go, yeah, he's just fucking shit, Rich, to be fair. Well, he, he's just, he's not, let's say his 13th game now, he's got one goal and he's not, he's looked like scoring one of the time. And that was his, his first one. He's just not good enough. He just can't, if this is just playing anything, I mean, we said it a bit, his movement before, how, how shocking it is. And he's a he's very much a poacher and he's scored a few spectacular ones, but that's really what he has been brought in to do. I think he's just because we couldn't get anyone else. But when you listen to how, how, how much and how arduous the process of getting him in was, he's just been a complete failure. Yeah. Um, man of the matches, guys. Um, I think it's, again, I life's better when Wolves win and there's a few good performances out there today. And I think, you know, you take away 20 minutes from the first half and, and we deserve to win that game. Um, who are you having for your man of the match? Ooh, my Prosecco Awards man of the match this week. They had a Prosecco Awards for a good time. No, we've 
Has there been an occasion for bubbly gold? No, there's, there's been zero champagne football for a long time. At, no. at we had we had a bit of champagne football today, so I think let's whack out the uh, whack out the eight quid prosecco. You, you could you could give it to two or three today. I'll, purely because of the effect that he had on the game, I'm going to give it to Adama. I think he he, he definitely changed the game today. Yeah, well, I'll go the other way. Then I'll say Gibbs White because he played in his actual position. He was superb. Oh, see, I'm torn because those are literally my two. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Gibbs White chiefly on the basis that he scored the winner, uh, which doesn't say much about Troy because Troy was a catalyst for the for game changing. And we might, I think if Troy didn't play today, we'd have got a point. But the fact that he came on, we got three points. Um, I don't want to hear any more negativity from Monday to Sunday in this WhatsApp group, if you <laughs> boys are going to give a player that pretty much missed an open goal, man of the match. Redeem yourself. He did. Like he Nuno did. today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, we're going to take a short break, guys. Um, we're going to talk about... Um, well, we're going to skip forward, actually. We're going to talk a little bit about Man United, um, talk about Spurs and do Twitter Corner right after this. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, wolvesfancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing wise. So make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Welcome back. So um, in line with the restrictions being uh, lifted in football stadiums, um, for the last home game of the season against Manchester United. Uh, a select number of fans are being able to attend the game. Uh, there has been a little bit of um, difficulty, controversy, uh, balls up, however you want to look at it in terms of priorities. Um, I just want to quickly gauge your thoughts, guys, in terms of A, uh, did you apply for tickets? Were you successful? A um, bit of your reasoning behind it, really. So, so Stu, um, did you apply in the end? <laughs> just now I mean it'd be kind of it'd be massively hypocritical of me for the amount I've slagged everyone off for the last year to then go and apply and take uh, for the last game of the season which is going to be like a celebration of being back I just don't think it was right and the fact that it, it's been so awful anyway why would I spend money and go and watch that when I can sit in my armchair and be happy but no I, I just I just the whole process and it's just it's not the fact oh I'm not going back until all fans are back and that kind of thing that a few people think, but it just stays in right for me. And I just thought, well, I could, I'd rather not be there to be honest. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't end up applying through a couple of different reasons and, you know, um, I, plastics. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Um, so that Dan, I know you're not a fair weather fan. Rich, we, me, me and you had a lovely um, stories from the pack episode, which is still out for viewing people. And so it, was, it, was, it was clear for me 
from the start, as soon as we had the opportunity, that I was 100% applying because I just wanted to be there. I did. I, I wanted the opportunity to say that I haven't missed a season in 27 years. And, he, and if, even if it was as bad as what Stu says every day of the week, just to have the opportunity, just to have the opportunity to boo him off would have pleased me. <laughs> just, just how much not being in the ground and having that match day experience has been such a blow for a lot of people, including <coughs> myself. What was that? It was a blow. Yeah, you definitely wore coughing plastic. I know that. <laughs> I just think like if if the opportunity's there and I've got and, and I can, I was going to reply. My mindset was if I couldn't get a ticket, then I wouldn't be disappointed. But if I can, if I can go, great. No, I mean to be fair. I'm... Plus, plus with a limited crowd, I've got a really good opportunity to call Marcus Rashford a wanker. Because I think it would just be funny for the amount of good thing he's done. It'd be so like ironic just to call him a wanker. And you can get your Fabio song started as well. Yeah, me on my own with like 2,000 people looking at me stupidly. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, uh, I think it'll be an interesting occasion because, of course, Wolves didn't get to host any fans um, at the end of 2020 um, when, when a few were. So I, I hopefully that Wolves can actually turn it on um, for, for sort of a few thousand are able to go. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting, kind of gauging. Uh, your guys' thoughts. Um, the other one I sort of wanted to pick up in not not quite general news, and we've talked about um, Virginia and Gibbs White to a degree. When I saw the lineup today, I thought it's a bit makeshift, but there's potential in it. How many of that starting eleven would you have starting next season, or very much within the squad? Because um, you know we, we, we've. You've got eight Nori, you've got Podence, and I've seen sort of quite a few question marks about him. Silver as well's in there, um, and Nevis and Martinho as well. So um I, I know whether we want to kind of just go for it player by player or um how how's best, but I think we would we all sort of be across the board in terms of Patricio um being Obviously. our goalkeeper next season. I don't see that changing. Um Hoover, he's Definitely going to be back up for Samedo, I think, going into next year. Um, I think I think he's he's a prime example of what we were saying about game time. Mm. That he he looked tidy, but at the same time, he didn't look wonderful, did he? I mean, if Samedo had put that performance in, he, he would have been lynched. <laughs> yeah, I think um, for um, Hoover today. I saw someone say he's getting him a lot of good positions, but not an awful lot's coming out of it just yet. And thought, Did Matinho think Hover was Trent Alexander for our corners today? <laughs> oh, good grief. I mean, I was going to say, we didn't even, uh, we, we've, we've talked uh, short corners to death, haven't we, on uh, this season? But I was getting text messages um, about how bad they were. Um, and I, uh, I, don't, I was I don't doing know. the in game Twitter for the game today, Rich, and I was literally finding wasted gifts because I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, what they do in training. Like I said before, they must be like attacking against cardboard cutouts to keep persevering with these short corners because it doesn't work. I know we haven't got like a tall squad and and they're, they're trying to manoeuvre a set piece where they can draw the defenders out to then have a bit more space in behind them, but it's not working. Just get the ball in the mixer and someone go and header it. It's simple as that. I think yeah. the, the problem is it's Matinho... Delivering the ball as well. 
when he did it in the first season, but since then it's been kind of first man itis, and yeah. that's why this all started in the first place. I mean, you got you got players like Aiton who can, who can put a ball in. Yeah, a few went out of play last week, but he, he can still put a ball in. And you've got players there who surely could do a better job. I mean, I, I on the face of it, I've not got a problem with short corners, especially today because we've already talked about how dominant Brighton are in the air compared to us. So if you want to do something differently to open up, great. But do it well. <laughs> As Dan said, if you're on a training pitch every day in the week, and that's the best they can come up with. Come on. What's more that's... frustrating, our corners, or the fact that we're still allowing Nevers to have free kicks? No. He added again to his catalogue of hailers today that were high and wide. But... Someone needs to tell him to stand aside for this one. I'm, I'm having a go because it's embarrassing how many free kicks and long-range shots I'm hitting my seat in the South Bank. But it's, it's never as territory and he has got form, remember, as we told every week by different commentators on every single show. Well, he looks like a, a dad in his 40s now with his shooting. His, his legs have gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I find it interesting with Nevis. And to be fair, he's, what has he scored? Three free kicks for Wolves? I want to say maybe four tops. He's only scored one in the Prem, hasn't he? He scored Everton, Everton, he scored Arsenal, both yeah. in his first season. Can't remember one last season. Um, probably should have done some prep for this one if I'd thought it through. But um, they, I'd, I'd be interested to sort of see his stats over three kicks compared to, I guess, every other team's set, you know, free kick taker. Um, but it sometimes feels like it, it, it's completely, you know, it's either fantastic or it's terrible. Well, it's, you know what I mean, it's like it's either stick, it's either nesting in the back of the net, or it's on target, or it's high, wide, enhancement doesn't look anywhere near the goal. And I think that's what's getting to you, Dan, isn't it? It's the fact that when he doesn't quite get the technique right, it looks awful. It's just coming to me, lads. Okay, the fans ain't sucking it in. <laughs> that's got to be it. They've not got. We've not in the South Bank. We've not got those arrows where we can just all direct it. <laughs> going in um, yeah so Neves Moutinho midfield next season do you reckon uh, fourth, fourth time lucky <laughs> the thing you've got to you've got to, you've got to um, allow Neves for is that since joining us he, he hasn't had a break even yeah. with like sort of he was at the Nations League at the end of last season he's he's got more flipping kids than flipping um, Bernardo's he he doesn't sleep, does he? He can't sleep. <laughs> maybe he's, maybe he's a vampire. Maybe he's a, that's a problem. He's, he, he just looks tired to me. I, I said on Twitter today that Matinho makes him look. Mm. He, he makes Matinho look young for me at times. The way he moves about the pitch, it looks like it's a slog for him at times. I don't. Did he have Did he have COVID or was he isolating? Who knows? I don't, don't quite know. I think though. Ooh. Well, they said Bolly. They said Bolly was only at first. Yeah, and now he's got lung COVID and he's like yeah broken. So <sighs> I still think it's... Neves on his day we have to build a team around Neves yeah, in that yeah. field. But recently, yeah. if someone was to offer big money, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as heartbroken as um, with him leaving as I would have done probably twelve, eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah I'm, 
I know when they were talking on set piece, man, you last week about the um, the way players have moved through the systems and stuff. And you look at the, the, who came in for us in that first year where you had Neves, Jota, Cavalero, Costa. Costa's probably gone sideways now to Leeds. Cavalero down to Fulham. Jota's obviously gone to Liverpool. And Neves has kind of just stayed. He's kind of plateaued. And he's never really pushed on. So... I'm with Dan with that. If someone came in and offered like 40 million, then you'd t- I'd take it now because he's just not, he's not stepped up like everyone thought he would do. And obviously he's still a brilliant player. Obviously, don't get me wrong. But. I was going to say, that, I think, no, you've got it right. He's, he's not dramatically improved. He's just consistently kept and, at the right level. You know, he's, he's almost been at that, that solid pro level for three years in the Premier League. And he's not been, stand out to a degree as much as I think we were all kind of anticipating he would and whether you know it'll be a changing system or whoever he's playing alongside I think it'll be interesting but um Martinho um do we see him being the start of next season has he has he got a contract till 2022 or is it the end of his now no it's going to the year eh, I think got another year now yeah it, it would be more sort of evident in the media if his contract was coming up this season yeah I mean it's oh. if he played them two play well for Portugal. This is the problem. They go to Portugal, they play well, and then they come back here and they're kind of shackled. So it's a, it's almost a case now you can't play both of them. And which, why, if we're going to have a bigger squad, then surely we play someone like someone with more energy next to them, like Vitinha, or someone to hold and let them run, wander around, like Otisewi, for example. I'm not saying it has to be them, but. To keep playing them together now in a, in a fourth year would be ridiculous. Yeah, um, I would say that the last sort of player sort of to sort of move it along. Who I, I think most of the other sort of starters we could sort of not see necessarily being a starter. Silver, if Jimenez is back, he's probably not going to be a starter. Um, Troy Ray probably gets in ahead of Gibbs White, and even the team you've got Neto as well knocking about. What are you guys thinking about Podence next season? Because He's had bright points, but he's gone very quiet now the last few weeks. And I don't, I'd be interested to see you guys' thoughts on, yeah, his long term future at the club. Well, definitely going into next season, you see him becoming a squad player as opposed to a starter. It, it, it breaks my heart, to be honest, with um, Little Dan 2.0. There's definitely a player there, but I, I don't know where he fits in with this Wolves team anymore. This is like his second season there, Wolves. And if you look at his sort of appearances, he's always carrying an injury at some point yeah. or other. He's definitely got a bit of flair in him. But when you look at the likes of Neto, Adama, Vitinha, Gibbs, White, all sort of vying for them um, three attacking midfielder winger positions, I don't know where he fits in. It's just whether he's happy being a squad player as well. Yeah, I think sort of from the last couple of games, which I appreciate two games isn't quite enough to judge it on. I'd probably prefer Vitinha in back number 10 than Podence because Vitinha can drop back and, you know, play the conductor as well as pushing forward and Podence doesn't quite have him about him. But he's been known to have his little bits of magic. How about you, Stu? Do you see him being, I, I guess I'll start in? I mean, if you you go back to restart last June and he'd push Jota down to fourth choice. He was great, but that's you're looking back to when was the last good game he had? Probably Sheffield United away, first game of the season. 
the one that sticks out for me. And was that even him? Yeah, it was. Um, I'd get rid. Honestly, I, I, I just get because he doesn't. He's like one in one in seven, one in eight, where he seems to turn up or do anything. The rest of the time, he's kind of sulking or trying to kick off with people, or or he's injured. He just hasn't. It just hasn't really worked. It's like, it's another one that's kind of. There's there's obviously something there, but for whatever reason, it's just not clicked. Like Dan's best mate, Catrone, where there was <laughs> he had something. It didn't work, and now he's moved on, and it hasn't worked anywhere else since. And I think that's what. I mean, obviously, we all saw the, the game against Spurs when he was at Olympiacos, and he was amazing. But it's been too few and far between for me. I, I'd, if it was an option of anyone to sell, then he'd be first out the door for me. The concern with Paulins is that we're probably going to um, make a loss on him. The way it's going, yeah. Oh, we 15, 15, 16 million was it? Something like that. Yeah. And you assume that's the point we'd have yeah, to pay for Vitinha. Yeah, you again. I mean, if someone, if someone like I don't know, if Watford offered 10, 15, you'd take it. I'd bite their hands off for that now. Swap deal with Porto for Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a value dream. Um, okay, so I was, I was just kind of curious to sort of see how we thought the because uh, again, it was an experimental lineup today. I want to sort of see how we thought it looks next season because at the end of the day. Nuno was experimenting today for next season. Not, I mean, he, he got to rest players, but, um, you know, I think it gave us a, a good chance to look at a few of those other players staying in different roles as well. Um, but moving on to our next game now. So Wolves are playing Spurs next Sunday um, at two o'clock. Um, we're not going to kind of go completely in depth um, onto it because we'll be doing our fancast pre-match um, show on YouTube and on uh, podcast forums for you all. Um, in terms of lineup, do we see it being a bit of a revert back to how it was, I guess, against the Albion, or do you think it'll be the same sort of starting eleven? How do you sort of see it um, being tweaked um, going against Spurs, Stu? I don't think there's much you really need to change going on that second half performance, but that's the problem. But is he going to go there and he's going to stink the place up first? Because if we, I mean, Spurs, the state they're in, if you go at them, they'll just completely crumble. So, I mean, for me, you, I think back four's set in stone now for the rest of the season. Just um, so you bring so in who some, you sent off, then? I'll keep it the same Kilman and Kilman and Cody. Well, why, why, change, why change it? I mean, they, they didn't really do anything wrong today. Um, obviously, Samada's going to be back from his little rest. Um, and personally, I, I'd go. I'd probably go Vitinha, Matinho, Gibbs White in as a middle three, and just and put Neves on the bench for a change for the reasons we've already spoke about that he looks like he's forty five, um, and then you only got the one the one problem part of of Silver up front, then do you start with Traore, which you kind of uh, unless you're going to play Corbiano, which he's not going to, then you kind of have to, <laughs> and then you're left with Pudence or playing someone else out of position. So, I mean, that's... I mean, the forward forward options are the only ones that I, I'd really see changing. But ideally, that's that midfield three, I'd go to Spurs and take the game to them. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, he's never going to play for Montreal Messi. Um, and, yeah, I think the only... I, I could see him maybe starting Troyer, but dropping Podence. 
and uh, again, just shoehorning Gibbs White onto the onto the left, uh, or keep swapping him and Vitinha. That's that. That's how I'd potentially work it behind it. Whether you go Otasawi in the middle, Dendonka because he's dropped out of game, and you almost go Vitinho and Dendonka and mix it up. Dan, what what are you thinking? I'm, I'm probably going to be negative and. <laughs> Going back to a five against Tottenham, to be honest, and I think it's, it's, it's ridiculous to suggest it, but I think they've got that much sort of um, exciting players in their final third. I, I, I think we'll struggle to keep them out with that back four. You know my, you know my opinions on on hmm. Cody and Kilman as a, a back two centre pair, and I, I think having Kane going up against them two is just a accident waiting to happen. Do you bring in uh, Sykes back in then? Was Bolly back in training? Ooh, I I'm sure I read it. Bolly was back in training the weekend. But even so, it might be a bit too early for him to come back. They did lose 3 1 to Leeds. They only scored yeah, Leeds, one have always got, Leeds have always got that. I mean, in, in, in the Mavenay to, to beat teams like that, they've also got the ability to get beat 4 5 1 in a game as well. It's. <laughs> And that Harry Kane offside as well. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I can't. I can't have that VAR discussion with you, Stu. That's just the game's horribly the, vile at the moment. If I'm just slowing goals for that. To be fair, the linesman did flag for that first. It was it, it went to VAR to confirm, but the linesman gave that offside. Just to be yeah. pedantic. I mean, I, I did sort of ponder at half-time today that maybe we should have brought on Dendonka at half-time just to have a bit more height and physicality on set pieces but he's been poor recently hasn't he so I don't know why you, you would bring him back in um, it's a difficult one for Nuno but the old saying you never change a winning team do you? it's just I think a back four against Tottenham and that centre-back pairing just makes me nervous No, fair enough um, score predictions then gents 2 all. Um. Yeah, I think there actually be, there'll be goals. Actually, to be fair, um, another three-two win. Okay, I'm going to go one-one. Again, <laughs> yeah, slightly less goals. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Shall we have some questions from Twitter corner guys? Bring it on. Right. Uh, big thanks to everyone who sent you your questions after uh, today's game. Um, right, so first up, Gaz Roberts. How many goals will Morgan Gibbs White score for Euros? <laughs> Top scorer, six. It's a difficult one because people seem to take our Euro tweet quite seriously today on <laughs> social media, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure whether I'm I'm uh, to stick with it and actually pretend he's actually going to be there. Uh, so I'll say nine. He'll win the Golden Boot. Nine. Okay. Um, uh, football uh, near fate. Um, one of our, uh, I was going to say, one of our farm fan cast friends. Um, but what would our table position be if we played every game against 10 men? <laughs> Which appreciate well, gives us a bit of an unfair advantage, but yeah. Well, it, it's switched even today in the Arsenal game where we've actually. <laughs> Before then, I can't remember the last time we actually played well against 10 men for, for my entire life. So, I mean, good on this season, you're looking at Champions League. <laughs> Difficult one, isn't it? 
I mean, to be fair, like if, if we've got like nine percent more players than the opposition, we probably should be doing better for them. Um, so, what have we got coming up? Um, we've got uh, three tweets from King Wolf eighty four Nag, uh, who's a friend of the fancast. Um, I, I'm going to re- read out the only one which is actually a question because the other two is just letting me know things, um, and I've got a lot of time for him. Um, how good it is to have one of our own score the winner. It's been a while. You know what? I was just thinking the same. I was trying to work out the last time we had an academy player score the winner. Pricey? MK Duns? Did Bright maybe get a goal in a League Cup game? I've got a memory. Did he score the winner against Barnes the the season we got promoted? Anyway, I I mean, we, we we can all agree... It's been a while. It's been a long, <laughs> um, long while. Yeah. I, mean, I remember Glenn Crow scoring away at Charlton <laughs> Athletic back in the 90s. He was another good academy player. You got your Robbie Keynes, your Les Scotts, and Dominic Fowler. Swindon on, the, on, on Sky back in the day, past Frank Talia. <laughs> I was going to say Adam Proudlock, who's now, his, who's now 40. Yeah. Mate, that makes me a lot. That. that. That that is a sign of the times. Uh, Stuart Jones, um, how many of our nearly switched off? Um, how many of you nearly switched off at half time after how poor it was? No, no I was no. doing but, a game, so I'll, I have to just take one for the team and persevere at times. Yeah, the, the only time I've left a game was the um, was Burnley away when I uh, went to watch Gremlins. I said it at the time. I said it on the podcast at the time, or the one after that. It, I was so pissed oh, off. Sorry, I, I, I got it into my head that you actually left the ground early. It was an old Burnley game that like you'd, you'd left early to go and watch Gremlins. I've <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> got, got to get on the uh, on the fifty nine bus to get. To... <laughs> uh, Rob Cartwright's uh, got two questions. Hmm. Okay, we'll go for the first one. Um, when did Neres last hit the target with a free kick? Uh, I'm struggling. I really am. Um, he also says, sign Virginia and sell Neves. And I guess we sort of covered it. Would you sell Neves to fund, uh, for, I guess, for transfer funds of its own right or only if like a big, you know, decent money came in for him? I think 40... 40- if you're talking Jota, Jota level money, at least it's tougher thinking of Nevers than it was for Jota for me. Just because of what we said, that he, he just looked fucked and he needs a rest. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, if it was a case of we had to sell someone and he was the only one to sell to buy, to bring in Vitinho and then have money for someone else, for 45, 50 million, then I probably would. Okay. Um, last question we've got is from Todd DeWitt, uh, the California kid, who's now no longer going to be the California kid. He's actually moving to Minnesota. So the Minnesota man does that doesn't sound as cool as Colorado kid. Did I say California kid? Yeah. Ah. Uh, I was going to say the Colorado kid. Um, anyway, he asks, um, you have to sell either Traore or Podence in the summer. Which one do you sell? Dan? Powdens in in some sort of um, we can put him in a, in a Kinder egg 
pacing and just pack him off nicely. <laughs> I was going to say, like, maybe from that logic, maybe like a Babushka doll. And like, you keep taking out porcelain. porcelain. Um, what's the called? The little Russian dolls. Yeah, yeah. You take out lots of Daniel Ponies until you get to him in the middle. Probably very uh, air deprived. Stu, how about you? Um, you've got a saliva opponents or trail, right? Oh, Ponies 100%. Like, I mean, I've been on on the self trial to get money trained for a while, but with a choice of them two, then yeah, he doesn't do anything. He's rubbish. Waste of time. The situation for me is I'd rather let trail. How many years has trail I got left? Yeah. One, two, 18 months? No. Mm. Two years? Yeah. So one, we've got, we've got two seasons left. Yeah. It, it, excluding this one. No, because he'd be able to talk to people within a year. No, six months. Eight. So his contract um, ends up in 2023. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so he's got two yeah. seasons left. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather let him go for a free in two years than sell him now. Yeah. Okay. I think it's too important to the way that we that we play at the moment. I think he proved today in, in coming on it when he did to, to change the game. I mean, it, for every game like today... You get other games where he just gets in the way and doesn't really do anything. But like today proved when he's on it and when he's when he actually wants it, like he, I mean it was a master stroke making him all angry, like we said at the start. When he's when he's in that mentality, he's unstoppable. I just think when he's on the pitch, he because teams are so scared of his pace, they freeze up other areas. So once Neto's back, you you've got Neto having one on ones against full backs because Brighton and uh, Brighton, the, the opposition of uh, overcrowding Troy on the other wing. Yeah, I think that uh, to a degree, I think not having Jimenez has been a bit of a struggle with that because, again, he's someone who takes multiple people to occupy and he's clever with his movements. So he's either creating space for Traore or himself or, say, for Neto as well. And the fact Wolves haven't been switched on enough to, you know, manipulate the, the overloads of defenders is, is a bit of a shame this season um, and sort of one where hopefully that they can review uh, next year. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up for today, guys. Um, I must say, it's been quite nice talking about Wolves winning. It's actually been a fun game for a while. Feels like I can't remember the last time. Half I... a game. Uh, I'll go for two thirds. <laughs> how, about, how about you percentage-wise? Yeah, two thirds is about off. I think what I enjoyed today was pretty much sharing about ninety percent of Walls players' Instagram posts on our story, just because it felt nice to do. Yeah, to give them it, a bit of a morale boost for, for themselves. It, it, yeah, like for me, it just it it felt like a good game, and they worked hard for it. It didn't feel unearned so even like when we beat um fulham recently and it was a bit of a turgid game it, it seemed to have something about it today and it was it was actually fun to watch for for the most part for me anyway or at least half of it for for stew um big thanks to everyone who's joined us today um really appreciate you popping along to have a little listen um thanks to our sponsors pixel yeti media if any of your website needs any of your marketing needs any of your branding needs go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com um, make sure you keep in the loop with all things Fancast. We're on uh, all of our social media media uh, accounts now at Wolves Fancast to keep things lovely and simple. 
um make sure you're checking out our youtube channel our post-match fan reaction um is for today's games out there now so if you want to hear um my my thoughts and some of the other guys um views sort of directly after after the game when everything's a little bit rawer uh, go check it out. We've also got our fancast pre-match, which will be dropping um, sort of Thursday, Friday time. That uh, little Dan will be um, hosting once again, and we'll also have got his tactical analysis as well. We do quite a lot. Yeah, all for free. Oh, Amazing, all for free, and um, there's still a lot, lot more to come. Yeah, I was going to say like, oh, this is. This is I was going to say I sound like a little drops ago. Oh, we're, we're a bit of all right here, guys. But <laughs> yeah, make sure you check us out. Um, again, lots of fun stuff for you. Um, and yeah, keep up to us on uh, on social media for your lols and trolls as well. Until next time, it's goodbye from Stu. Goodbye. But once you've checked out our Twitter feed. Please go and check out uh, the official HRH because some of the stuff he's been putting on <laughs> is incredible. I will check this out. I, I, I'm guessing, is it relating to the Albion? It, it, it's very much got him dancing and it's almost on a thousand likes already. And it's at this point, not even 10 o'clock. Okay, wow. And it's goodbye from Dan. Catch you in the week, folks. As Richard mentioned, I'll be doing the Fancast pre-match sponsored by the Sports Shop Kings Winford with former Tottenham and Wolves uh, attacking midfielder Rowan Ricketts next week. So uh, keep your eye out for that. What's happening? That's a great, great one to uh, listen to. It's goodbye from me. And finally, and I think you can all enjoy me saying this, fuck the Albion. Mm-hmm.